Welcome to Intersection Magazine podcast. This week we're in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, the land of bongo flavor. <laughs> and we're excited to um, host a, quite a number of episodes. We plan to do quite a number of interviews, probably about 12 individuals who we've identified as um, uh, critical in um, playing a role in innovation and tech in Tanzania. And so today's guest is um, Elsie Akuze. She's a columnist for East Africa, a socialist uh, in the bent, I'm thinking, as well as um, a, so a sociologist in training. Um, and so we want to have some conversations about her work and in the that she does in the media, as well as her understanding of the general landscape in Tanzania, and, you know, how, how people think and how people do business. Um, and then, of course, we'll be having some conversations also with um, our sponsors, Kotanipay, about what they offer for, uh, in terms of the payment space, Kotanipay is a fintech. And I'm interested in finding out um, how they can partner, for example, with NGOs and processing payments for for groups of people that may be uh, part of these NGOs. So we hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Thank you. So Felix, um, tell us a little bit about um, what Kotani Pay does and who Kotani Pay is and what role you guys play, for example, um, in the fintech space and how um, NGOs, for example, can benefit from your uh, products or services. Yeah, thank you, Nicholas. So we are a venture-backed fintech, mostly focused uh, on building the bridge between digital assets and local currencies in Africa. Um, so we leverage blockchain technology uh, in all its uh, shapes, forms, flavors um, to bring services that are hard um, to get for Africans who are unbanked. Um, specifically for NGOs, we have uh, an SMS uh, wallet um, where their users can create blockchain accounts from a feature phone, a push button phone, and they can receive stablecoin payments directly to that wallet and then cash out to their local currency. So we have partnered with several organizations, including Masico and Silo, um, to run universal basic income um, for refugees. Impact Market is uh, for example, a good partner that does this work extensively in Kenya and, and Ghana. Um, we have leveraged uh, blockchain for cash transfer payments to end users. And so we find that uh, it comes with some benefits. The technology comes with some benefits for um, at least the unbanked um, individuals. Oh, cool. Excellent. Um, you did some work in, in Turkana? Yep. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and um, what was involved. Yeah, so one of our, one of our pilots was in uh, Kakuma. Okay. Um, and we were mostly focusing on refugees in Kakuma. Okay. As you might know, they, you know people in, in these situations usually are in absolute poverty, right? Okay. So we partnered with several universal basic income um, organizations and were sending them um, cash transfer payments daily uh, by the blockchain. So this 
payments were essentially coming from the U.S. and then they will cash out uh, to mobile money. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about this pilot was what the refugees did after that. So some of them started very small micro um, enterprises with those funds. Okay. So um, in about a month's time, we had businesses being built. 60% of um, you know, the refugees were actually women. And so building um, businesses within the refugee camps was something that you know, we, we saw as a positive thing. And as a matter of fact, the NGO took it further and, and started thinking about universal um, basic credit. So if I am doing something with my universal basic income um, and I've done something great with it, can that be taken as a credit score? So then I can be given um, something to further the business I created. Um, so, so those are some of the interesting things that come out of uh, you know, the pilot. Okay. Um, thank you very much, uh, Felix. Thank um, you. I'm a bit curious. Can you can you help us kind of understand um, what benefits they are in uh, with this whole system of blockchains and mm. cryptocurrency, and then the, the whole concept of stable coins mm. for those that are new to to these this kinds of these ideas? Yeah. So the we have a problem with cross border payments today because it's very expensive. Okay. Um, the global average is eight percent fees. Um, Africa's average in some countries is as high as 16% um, to do a $200 um, cross-border payment. It's uh, UN's goal to get this down to 3% um, by 2030, um, but it's impossible to get it down to 3% with uh, current technology, which involves several intermediaries, because every intermediary is taking a cut. And what we know about blockchain is that it's very good at you know cutting out intermediaries and so you can do a direct transfer to an end user at below three percent fees now the concept of stable coins is that you want to take um, a local currency and then tokenize it on a blockchain so you have a digital representation of uh, a local or fiat currency um, so, so one of the biggest trends I think that you will notice is governments want to take their own currencies and develop their own digital currencies that are called, being called uh, central bank digital currencies. Mm -hmm. And this basic concept came out of um, private stable coins like uh, Tether USDT or um, Circles USDC. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. So Elsie, um Tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been going through your LinkedIn profile as expected. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your education and then maybe go into um, some of your media work. Okay, so thank you, Nicholas. With my education, where should I start? From like preschool or should we just secondary um, above? Secondary and above. Okay, so for uh, secondary education, I went to this um, boarding school in Eswatini okay. called Waterford Kamplaba, which turns 60 this year. Hala mm Hala -hmm. Kamplaba. Um, and I was there for seven years. Okay. I did the IB program, mm -hmm. so I graduated in 1998. Mm -hmm. I went in there in 1992. Okay. And from there, I got into college in the US. Mm -hmm. I went to Bryn Mawr College, which is a women's college. Mm one of the seven sisters, and it's in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, so I did my first degree there, um, and I graduated with a, a BA in uh, sociology with a minor in Africana studies, which is a combination of African-American okay. and uh, African studies. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I gone in intending to do economics, failed my first class, realized that this was not for me, 
and yet somehow in there I still managed to become a member of the finance club for like a semester. Cool. It was strategic because I knew they funded our version of NGOs, which was a student club, okay. on their profits. Uh, I came back to Tanzania and I worked with an NGO I volunteered for mm -hmm. during one of my summer holidays. Okay. And that went really well. And um, for a while, and I, I had a crisis because I just, I was like, the development I wanted to do and I thought my career was about mm -hmm. wasn't what I was experiencing. And this was in the education sector. Okay. So I had a crisis and I was like, I think I don't understand what development is and I do need to like study it. So I went for my master's. Okay. So I went to the Institute of Development Studies, mm -hmm. IDS, uh, Sussex. Okay. Because they spoke to me, none of the U.S. programs did. <laughs> but they seemed to know Africa, and I like, you know, I, I was feeling them. Was, mm -hmm. The vibe was right. Mm -hmm. So it's a two-year course as well. I wanted depth. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So you know, written masters, supervisor. I wanted interaction. So I was there for two years, from I think 2004 mm -hmm. to 2006. Okay. And I graduated with an MPhil in Development Studies. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, had a really, really great education there. Okay. Came back again. Mm -hmm. Started again in the NGO sector, this time with Policy Forum. Okay. At the time, it was a small organization still. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I volunteered okay. during the summer. And um, Gertrude uh, Mugizu was there and she was very keen to employ me. Okay. Very happy to have me. Um, I lasted eight months because mm -hmm. my brothers and a friend of theirs had started a company and they needed a media analyst. Mm -hmm. And my one brother with the MBA was like, I know you sociology people <laughs> develop tools to study things which we can't quite grasp mm -hmm. for the client that they just landed. <laughs> so they offered me not only double my pay, but like in a different currency. Like, I know that hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> and I sold out. <laughs> so off I went and I joined a startup called Serengeti Advisors, okay. their media department. Mm -hmm. And that would have been, what, like 2007 maybe? Mm -hmm. So I was their media analyst for about three, four years. Okay. Yeah, during which time I did a lot of media analysis. I watched way too much TV, read way too many newspapers, reunited my knowledge and love of Tanzania's politics. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, love is a strong word, understanding. Um, <laughs> and I also went back to my one true love, which is writing, and started a um, newsletter. Okay. Yeah, I was hoping to turn into a newspaper that didn't pan out. Okay. Tell us about your time at, um, East, at East Africa as a columnist, because I actually read your stuff. Man, this was years ago. And, um, I developed a kind of liking for your style because it, it just when I read your stuff it would always make me want to do a little bit more research and read up on certain words you had used so I just found your your writing to be quite wholesome so tell us a little bit more about your time at East Africa and how is that going well thank you very much that was very kind of you to say um, this is my 13th year mm -hmm. with East Africa mm -hmm. so um, Charles Onyango Obo basically saw what I was writing, okay. I think on my blog, and doing some media analysis and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, would you like to maybe write a piece for us? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I couldn't possibly, sir. This is like East African, back in 2009, or 2009. I was like terrified. <laughs> <laughs> just no way. 
he said listen try it like if it's a wash it's a wash no harm no foul just try one piece and we'll see mm-hmm. so i tried the one piece but he's an editor and he knew what he was doing <laughs> so i tried the one piece and it was well received and i was on a high and he let me ride that high and let it just subside before he approached me he said do you think maybe you could do this on a more regular basis and i said oh i couldn't possibly charles i, I couldn't and he was like i think you could and i was like oh charles no 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 like yeah and we back and forth and then uh, i started i think 2010 really mm-hmm. was when it took off and here we are today mm. yeah. yes you also mentioned your blog i looked at it and you, do you blog every day because it's it's intense it's yeah really <laughs> <laughs> i was young i haven't yeah. come across someone who does it so intensely like you do. i was young when i started that blog you know it's like 2001 or something right I don't even know but I was young and I had a lot to say and the world was just full of wonder and I'm a writer so I needed an outlet and also I didn't like the way the Tanzania was being portrayed okay. online so I've been living online since like the mid 90s basically when I went to the US for my first degree whoa they had LAN cables man I had a computer and I had unlimited access to the internet so while people say that it's dangerous for young people to be online for me it was a wonderland because not only were there libraries that were open 24 hours there was the internet so I was just like mm, that was heaven so when I got back to Dar and I'm getting online and trying to like look at what are they saying about my country well, how is it perceived because I knew from there and I was like ah oh, surely not back home the narrative couldn't possibly be that naive it was it was terrible <laughs> everything was like would you like to book a safari there's no people it's just Maasai and and lions like the big five you know like this land was apparently just empty of people and I was like oh nope that's not happening not on my watch <laughs> So I started writing in English because, sure, I could blog in Kiswahili, but how would the wider world know that we are here? So that's probably a lot of the verve behind at least the first five years. I think of that blog was just like, y'all need to know. And this was like some pre-Wakanda stuff, right? <laughs> like, Black Panther had in the May. We needed to Black Panther ourselves and show them. Yeah, so that was that energy yes um this is a bit of a pivot but um in covering for example the um, the ecosystem the technology and innovation ecosystem in uganda for example usually what we do is we split it up between um educational institutions founders or like techies um, you know then we have your uh, venture capitalists angel investors Uh, people people who want equity in companies um, you know um, technology hubs you know what they call um, entrepreneurship entrepreneurship support organizations whether those are the hubs themselves or the, whether they are the um, um, accelerators incubators all the different players of the ecosystem but what I found interesting in, um, in Uganda for example was Um, there's also a, a certain part that we don't actually think of as, an, as part of the ecosystem arts and that's the writers because what normally happens is people have ideas or people have um, uh, uh, businesses that they're developing but they don't quite know how to tell their own stories so I'm really interested in um, 
capturing that information and helping people um, tell their stories because that's pretty much um, that's half the story, half half the tr half the journey you have to take when you've created something and people just need to know that it exists before you can you know pretty much uh, get funding because that's what most of most of the people I interact with are looking for. Um, so I'm interested in. Um, in your angle as a as naturally as a as a columnist and a person who who's skilled at telling stories and who understands um you know uh, human beings i i guess um, uh, their motivations and things of that nature now um tell us a little bit about um the landscape you know what are your views about uh, without getting to to without forcing you back into economics Tell us a little bit about um, you know what you see in Tanzania, the potential. Because um, my excitement in coming here was I was thinking so much about, um, uh, for example, uh, nomadism, tech nomadism. You know the the potential that this country has of just attracting people that just want a beautiful place with you know where, with with a fast internet connection. You know possibly uh, a great investment environment that's friendly for investors and that you know a place where i can just kick back and work and make my money without you know worrying about uh, you know being you know being offline or any of those problems so just kind of give us a rough idea what you see um in tanzania um the potential that you you see uh, with, with the entrepreneurs and th those kinds of things um okay i mean i I know I've gone a, it's a long it's question. It's a lot, yeah, it's a lot. Mm. I mean, I, I got to see us go from dial-up and internet cafes to like home Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. you know, 5G's coming in. Mm -hmm. And um, like on the other side of where we're at, there's um, the, the stretch between, I mean, frankly speaking, Ali Hassan Winye all the way to sort of Mwenge mm -hmm. is, uh, I believe we call it the Tanzanite Valley. So that's where all the telecoms are. And, like. There's a few tech hubs and so on and so forth. Just look it up. Um, so there's a lot of potential, like mm -hmm. a lot, I think. Mm -hmm. How we're exploiting it varies a lot. Mm -hmm. As a content creator, of course, I'm always interested in the content. Okay? Mm -hmm. I happen to write. Um, the people are doing like um, TikToks and stuff are exploding, of course. Mm -hmm. That's a huge growth area right now. Writing is on the way, but I'm one of those believers who's just like, it's just gonna change. I mean, radio didn't die, we've got podcasts now. Yeah, yeah. And we still have radio. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we've got Clubhouse, and it's just like, you know, things don't go away. Mm -hmm. But there's not many people who do what I do, the writing part okay. of content creation, mm -hmm. so, especially in English. Mm -hmm. And in Kiswahili as well, oddly enough. Mm. So I feel like there's like we're not nearly close to like reaching that full stretch out, mm. just, like occupying our, our space. Mm. There's still a lot to be explored, mm. um, a lot of potential, and we're gonna be a little ornery about it because you were using some words and I could feel myself re reacting like mm. um, nomads. Okay, what you want here? Like um, you know to be able to work here and just uh, no internet interruptions and stuff and I'm like nah we're all in it together like you come here the power switches off and we're all like all in the streets and shaking waving our fists <laughs> to the government hey how are you getting power without us having power fine buy a generator but you know what I mean like we're all in this together yeah, it yeah. really still has that 
at least I have that that old school socialist spirit. But we're, we're in this together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so of course, fantastic country. That's the last one. I think there's a few people who have discovered Zanzibar as a destination for exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And they've hooked themselves up and set up situations where the power doesn't cut out, and we've got great internet, and they're working there. And people coming from all over the world. They've done that, and COVID was part of the push for nomadic folks to just up, pick up and move there and work and create communities. So I love that. I believe in, you know, world citizenship. <laughs> I say as an African who has to ask for visa for everywhere I go. <laughs> Just want you to know it's super annoying. Um, but yeah, I think it's wonderful. I think it's got its pros and cons like everything else. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, we've got, uh, we're a country, we're not Kenya, we're not Uganda, we're not, you know, you've got to know us. Mm -hmm. And like if you settle here, I usually tell people easily, like two years is when you're beginning and five years is when you have a clue. <laughs> and then take it from there and <laughs> make your decision then <laughs> you've established yourself maybe and figured out a few things for yourself so um, oh on the creator side I think we're flourishing okay. so that's a strength that we have mm -hmm. comedy especially like just fantastic um, visual stuff audiovisual so yeah little movies and things like we're good at that mm -hmm. we're very good at that telling little stories and stuff mm -hmm. um, yeah creative content very very good a lot of political discussion very political so there's a lot of that i think the blogs now mostly are political i i try to switch it up because i also bore myself if i only do politics i get bored and i'm not i'm not like that i think i'm a bit fluid so um i don't want to bore myself because if i bore myself i'm going to bore my reader and that's not cool <laughs> So yeah, so I think that's where we shine and we can do more. And I'm just really glad that there's just like more and more people coming up, younger people. Um, like I said, I'm 43, I'm ready to pass on the baton and also graduate to like a different level where I can just do a little less, maybe earn a little more and be home more. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm rambling because I'm trying to find the conclusion. <laughs> what, what is the actual? Yeah, so, what do you want me to speak to? Yeah, do you think you've answered the question about um, the general in, uh, investment um, landscape and the opportunity and the, um, some of the thinking behind uh, 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 citizens of Tanzania? Mm -hmm. uh, you've also answered the question that I was curious about in terms of, um, you know, you, you've answered the question but also kind of given me a bit of a perspective in terms of how to think when I when I, when, when we when we come, you know, to be to be thinking in terms of the, the greater good of the country. Um, now, oh, and I do I do want to make a final point. This was very important language. Mm -hmm. You have to learn Kiswahili. Mm. You have to. This is our national language. Mm. Like you're not gonna have a good life here. I don't think like a complete fulfilled life here if you don't learn Kiswahili. Mm. Doesn't matter who you are. Mm. You can have all the billions in the world. <laughs> You're missing a huge part of the entire situation if you don't learn to study I learned it later in life because circumstances, but there you go. Um, it's, it's easy to pick up, hard to get into 
real depth mm -hmm. to really grasp it and manage it. Mm -hmm. But it's a wonderful language and I encourage people to learn it. It yeah. is fantastic and it'll get you around East Africa really good. It, it will, it will. Incidentally, the president of Colombia has been, has been taking, I think, Kenyan, Kenyan teachers to Chiswahili. To, the vice president, she's an African, black African lady. Okay. So she's been taking African, Kenyan teachers to teach Kenyans. Swahili to Colombians. <laughs> the rivalry continues. <laughs> okay, that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, one last thing. There's um, a, a writer, I don't know if you've heard of him, he's uh, Angelo Izama. He's, uh, he was a media personality in, in, Ken in Uganda, but um, a very good journalist. But he recently transitioned into, I suppose, someone saw his potential. They hired him to run the Uganda Investment Authority. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just those are some, I think, some of the good things that are happening in terms of um, the process, at least for us as, as, as technology people. And I think he's, from, from the interaction we had with him last week, because he, it was part of a, uh, a fireside chat with um, some people from Saxony, Germany. And he just, so quickly, you could tell he has a grasp of, of our needs as, as entrepreneurs. And he's using the same zeal that he has for, for journalism and telling our stories. Um, but um, from what I heard from him, he's not doing that alone. I mean, he's, not, he's, he's involved in several other projects. Um, so he works for the Investment Authority, but he also, I think, uh, has other tasks that he handles, um, you know. So I kind of do appreciate when I see people transition into from one from one field to a, to another. But um, I'm kind of glad that we have a storyteller telling our, telling the stories of people in um, in technology because that's what, one of the ways I view journalists. So anyhow, thank you so much for uh, for taking your time to talk to us and. Um, for sharing your knowledge um, about the landscape. Um, thank you also for some of the contacts uh, that you've, you've given us that we'll probably we'll have to look up to get a little bit better grasp of what we're dealing with. Now, I hope we can have you back soon, um, maybe to track the progress of uh, some of what we've talked about. So thank you, Elsie. Thank you very much, Nicholas.